Stay on mission amidst the chaos. Stay on mission amidst the chaos. That's the message, church, that the Holy Spirit has for you. That we as the church of God are called to stay on Christ's mission. That he delineates clearly in Acts 1.8. And we're in a time of chaos. Even though there's a lot of craziness going out, going on right now. You could think about the pandemic. You could talk about the economic situation, regulations that seem suppressive, um, personal t- turmoil. All of it is chaos and it affects us. It could be persecution. How am I defining the word chaos? Chaos is any unpredictable, uncertain factor that affects our lives and impacts us in a negative way. It's distractive, it's a trial. And right now, what God wants to say to us today is that we as a church, we as City Bible Church, we are called to stay on our mission despite all these factors. As a church, you know, in Southern California right now, there's a major pastor who feels that the regulations, the difficulties um, that is facing the church in terms of meeting is actually a form of tyranny. I don't want to get into that. We're not going to have that argument. The point is, is that the church of God right now, many people feel that we're being suppressed, that we're being held down. And the temptation is to kind of hunker down, to take a time out. But God is calling us to continue the work of ministry. There are many brothers and sisters around the world. I've had the real privilege in the Middle East of rooming with a gentleman from a neighboring country whose family, they were pastor's family, were being systematically killed for their faith. I have another friend who lives in the area right now from a certain Asian country where the government suppresses Christians. He was tortured, taken from his family. His children were deeply affected. One of my students experienced this. And when you see those people face to face, you realize that times of chaos and times of persecution is not just for the people of God back then, it's now. And we need to study and learn from these folks and be encouraged and stick it out. Stay laser focused on the mission. I'm not talking today about chaos that we cause ourselves through sin. That's a message for another day. I'm just talking about us as a church staying focused on the Great Commission on doing what God has laid out for us in this circumstance. So that's the plan for today. We're going to look in the book of Acts. We're going to try to see what we can learn, see what spiritual dynamics we see in the Acts church. We're going to be looking mostly at Acts 8 through 12. I know it's a lot, five chapters. I'll focus mostly on Acts 8. But um, we'll see what we can learn, what spiritual dynamics we can learn about the church and diaspora, because I think there's a lot of lessons for us here today. Well, let's just start in the shallow end, okay? You know, when you think about sticking to the mission, you know, during chaos, um, let's just, you know, Americans love sports. Let's use a sports analogy. Michael Jordan, you know, he's a hero. Why? Because of all his championships? Well, you know, you ever hear of the flu game? Michael Jordan was as sick as a dog, throwing up, dehydrated. You know, a lot of people didn't think he was going to play. But, hey, it's the NBA Finals. He put his city of Chicago, their goals above his own, their mission 
the team mission and he went out and he gutted it out. You know, you know the rest of the story. You know, fourth quarter, scores a lot, wins the game. He's a legend. Why? Because we as people, we respect people who put a mission above their own comfort, over their own um, self-preservation. I hate to do it as a Celtics fan, but I got to give Kobe credit too. Kobe's out on the court. He ruins his Achilles, blows his Achilles heel. What does he do? He shoots his foul shots. Okay? He's old school. Why? He's putting the team mission above his own personal comfort. I had to use old school guys because all the new players today, they're a bunch of babies. They're like the soccer players that you just touch them, they just writhe on the ground like they've been shot. I don't have any place for them. You know, Kevin McHale, clotheslining, Kurt Rambis, why? Mission. Just kidding. I just had to throw that in there. Um, let's go in the deeper end a little bit. Let's think about first responders. Maybe during this pandemic, you're thinking about um, like people in the medical field, nurses, doctors, that they have a mission for healing. And we respect them because they put themselves on the line. They put themselves at great risk. And some people, I know in New York City and other places, some first responders, some nurses, they lost their lives. Why? They bring healing for others. And we, as a culture, we respect that. Our church is blessed with people who served in the military. Um, you know, you think of someone like a army medic who's in many theaters of war. And, you know, what do, what do these army medics do? They go either on the battlefield or in a camp, but it's dangerous. They go out there, they put their lives on the line. And they're focused, and there's all, you know, bullets, IEDs, things blasting all, you know, foreign language being spoken, people yelling, screaming, you know, airdrops, chaos, chaos all around. But you know what? They got to tie the tourniquet. They got to stop the bleeding. They got to, you know, they got to treat the cut. They have to administer the precise amount of medicine. Could they be killed? Yes, they know that but they have a duty and they're willing to put their lives at risk for a greater mission than themselves. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you've been to church or not, we all respect people that are living for a cause greater than themselves. How much more than the church of God? We believe that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us a commission. And if you look in Acts 1.8, Jesus is speaking to his apostles. This is after he died. He rose again. He was with the disciples for 40 days. He's been training them up, and he's about to be ascended to heaven and leave them because he's going to send down the Spirit. And these are his words. He says, Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I love this part because all the disciples are like looking up and they're seeing Jesus ascend and they're just stunned. They're just looking up in the sky. And then angels say, guys, he's, up, he's, go- he's coming back, but he's not coming back now. Go, get going, get going. He gave you the mission, do the mission. I think too many churches are just standing there looking up. They're in fellowship but they're not staying on the mission. We've been called, Jesus has given us a mission 
to be his witnesses in Long Beach, in Cerritos, in Los Angeles. Who knows? Maybe London, maybe North Africa, maybe Japan in, in China. He has called our church and from our church, he's going to be sending out missionaries. Do you believe that? He wants to build this church. He wants us to be about his mission. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this word. This is an important word. We have a great church at City Bible Church, but you're not done with us. And you're, in some ways, we're just starting. And even though there's chaos all around us, and as individuals and sometimes as a church, we feel like, man, there's just too much craziness going on. Lord, what looks like chaos to us, you understand the ins and outs, and you have even allowed it, sometimes ordained it. Why? Because you want us to reach this world for Christ. Help us to be that kind of church. Help us to stay on mission and to keep our eyes open for unexpected opportunities to share your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, you know, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 8. And like I said, I mean, there's just a lot. We're just going to be looking at a number of churches here. We're going to be looking a little bit at the Church of Jerusalem, the Church of Galilee, Samaria, Judea um, in this message. But I think that there's a couple reflections, a couple dynamics we can learn from all these contexts. I encourage you in your own time to read these chapters, Acts 8 through 12. Uh, but for now, I want to read Acts 8 verses 1 through 8, and see what we can learn from this text. You know, when you, when you look at Acts 8, by the way, all the way to Acts 12, it's bookended by the death of Stephen, who's the first martyr in the church. And in Acts 12, it's James the Apostle who's killed by Herod. So blood, bloodshed for the church, bloodshed in the church. It's bookended by bloodshed, by persecution. Let's, let's read. And Saul approved of his execution. So Saul, sorry, Saul approved of his execution. Who's Stephen's execution? And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the re regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. So you get this great persecution and these people, the, the apostles have to stay, but everyone else has to scatter because there's so much danger. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3, but Saul was ravaging the church. The word ravage is like a wild animal, like a lion eating like a zebra and just consuming it and ripping it apart. That's what they were doing to the Christians at this time. And Saul was entering house after house. He was dragging off men and women and committed them to prison. It's not just men. It's men and women. Men and women make up the church. What happens to the kids? The whole family suffers. Verse 4. Now those who are scattered, what do they do? Well, what does it say here? They hunkered down. They hid. They took a time out. They quarantined. They just stayed at home. No, it says, now those who were scattered, they went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, 
For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. That's, an, that's amazing. You know, Philip, he's not one of the apostles. He, he's just a normal person like us. And he's scattered. He is ex, he's experiencing this chaos. And what he does by the power of the Spirit, it's not by the flesh. If it's by the flesh, by our own natural devices, we're going to stay at home. We're going to self-protect. But he's, he knows that he's about the mission. He's about the gospel. And he's just a witness. He's witnessing. And the result is join the city. We are City Bible Church because we know God has a destiny for the city. And the church of God should not be retreating from the cities. We should be in the cities witnessing, being a witness. Now, really quick, for some of us who are not in the Christian circles, what does it mean to witness? Being a witness just means that whatever you know, you share about. I mean, if you saw an accident or you saw a crime and you're being interviewed by the police or you're being interviewed by a lawyer or you're being deposed, what do you do? You only need to share what you know. And that's it. Tell the truth. Share what you know. There's not necessarily I mean, there are expert witnesses and there are expert evangelists, but Many cases are closed by normal witnesses, people who just share what they saw, what they experienced. And I know so many of you, even if you're young in your faith, you've experienced something. You've seen the goodness of God through his church, through the word of God, things that Christ has done for you. You don't have to know all the answers. You can just speak up. You love people. You love your neighbors gently, and you just share what you know. That's what Philip did. And I just want to have a little sidebar um, here. You know, there's a lot of healing. We believe God can heal. We believe that there's demonic realm and that you can cast out demons if they're present. That's not the focus of this discussion. But I want to point out that when you read the book of Acts and throughout scripture, whenever you see miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is always accompanied by the proclamation of the gospel. So if you want more power, proclaim the gospel because it's almost like a prerequisite. Not saying that's always going to, a changed heart is a miracle and a changed destiny is a miracle. And it's only by the power of the spirit that that can occur. So I guess the first principle or the first dynamic, the first main point, okay, uh, the spiritual dynamic when the church is in diaspora is this. Amidst the chaos, like I said, stay on mission. And I just want to show you and just demonstrate throughout these chapters what this church is going through, what this early church is experiencing. And you can just, you know, do what I did. Just highlight throughout these chapters all the times you see persecution and compare the persecution, the chaos, the obstacles, the difficulty, and compare it to the church's growth because they don't seem to go together, but they do because this is how God does stuff. So in chapter eight, one, you hear about execution of Christians. You hear about great persecution. You hear about scattering. Like I said before, verse two, you hear about the ravaging of Christians. You go on to not uh, chapter nine, verse one, 
breathing out murderous threats against the church. These are all the things the regular people, the regular men and women, the church of God, these are all the things they're experiencing. Um, 9.16, suffering, so much suffering. Uh, 9.20, havoc, wreaking havoc on the church. 9.23, there are plots. There are people in the local authorities who are plotting to kill Christians. 9.23, um, more killing. They're trying to seek someone. Different groups are trying to kill, not just one group, not just the Jews, but also the Hellenists. All these people trying to kill Christians. Are you getting the point? You can look at 11.19, persecution, scattering. Look at 12.1, Herod laid a violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Okay, so before he killed James, he's just killing regular folks. Regular folks like you and me who love Jesus, who read his word, and want to share his goodness to other people. What's happening to these people? They're getting killed. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And he sees that it's pleasing other people, so they're going to kill more. People, church, do you see the chaos here? Didn't this church have every reason just to kind of hide a while? I mean, they did. They had to flee for their lives. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to just welcome death. I mean, you see in these scriptures, sometimes they're hiding, they're sneaking Paul out. So scattering is not a a bad thing to do. But amidst all the scattering, there's still a mission to be done. And I want you to see this. Look in... Um, eight verse four, they went around preaching the word. So the church is preaching, you know, eight, eight, there's joy in the city. Eight, 12, they're preaching the good news of the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Eight, 25, they're testifying and speaking about the word of the Lord. They're preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You know, they're going cross-culturally. They're speaking the words of God across cultures to cultures that there used to be enemies. So the two are becoming one. They're being reconciled. How? By the Spirit of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that today. You look at 931. The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. Wow. Just a verse earlier, they're talking about how they're being They're trying to kill the church. And the next verse, they're saying, this church has peace. It's a peace that only comes from the Holy Spirit. I want us, City Bible Church, to have this kind of peace and to be, and it says here, and they were being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then the church multiplied. On paper, there's no reason why our church should be growing. There's no reason why we should be flourishing. There's no reason why we should be being built up. But I don't want to exhort you here per se, but I want to encourage you because I even put a check mark here. Because I feel like in this area, we have people in this church who are really doing this amidst the chaos, even when they're struggling, losing jobs, uh, losing income, uh, facing hardship, facing disease, facing death facing conflicts that they did not cause, dealing with all the fires. There are people here that are so faithful. And I just want to, you know, I can't get you all, okay? I love you all. And I could just go on and on, but I'm just going to name a few. First person that came to mind was Garen and Cynthia. I see someone who, not a perfect 
they would never claim to be perfect. They're humble people, but, you know, Garen preached once about his father and how his father was a righteous man. But when his father passed, it really was a pivotal moment for Garen that what really matters in this world is investing in the kingdom. And, you know, Garen's he's a cool guy. I mean, he, he helps me get my, you know, this cool clothing. He works at a cool clothing company. He has awesome stickers on his thermos. He's into, you know, he knows sports. He, he understands pop culture. He's a normal guy who can relate to normal people in this world. He's not a weirdo. He's just a normal guy, but he is all about mission. Cynthia is all about mission. You see these people, they first ones here, last ones to leave. What is it that drives them? A couple things. It's, it's their commitment to mission. And I know if you know them, you see it. And if you don't know them, you all have churches that have people like that. And it's not just about the flesh. It's about the spirit of God in them and their commitment and the knowledge that this world is temporary. This world is not our home. So I'm really encouraged by Garen. Cynthia, too. She's a dynamo. She's got two little kids. Not so little, but they're growing. She's committed to them. But, you know, when you think about what gets done behind the scenes, she is like an energy. And there's so many people like this in our church. Look, I'm not trying to pump up the tires of the leaders in this church, but even Pastor Chris, known him for 20 years, maybe a little more, um, you know, before the pre-Lorraine years, I tried to keep him in line at that time. But, you know, we were we were both in Bible school at different Bible schools. And, you know, this was before he was involved in ministry, but he was called to be a pastor. And the advantage of knowing someone over 20 years is you see them through many seasons. And even at that time, he was committed to the mission of God, of building his church. And there's a lot of things to that I respect about him, that I admire about him, is that, you know, he's dynamic. You know, he's, he's not afraid to make changes. He's not afraid to be wrong. He's not afraid to fail. He, he doesn't play it safe. He, he's willing to hear the Spirit and change us. And he, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. But the greatest quality, well, one of the greatest qualities is that through the valley of the shadow of death, of friends and family, and through trial and travail, just like Paul, who said, I know what it is to abase and abound. Through many seasons, this guy is going to continue to stay on mission and to lead in the best way he knows how by the power of the Spirit um, till he runs through the tape when the Lord takes him home. So that's a good thing. I mean, don't worry. Garen and Crit have plenty of flaws. That's another message for another day. But those are great Man, I'm thinking about, um, you know, Nicole. Uh, she just gave uh, Nicole from Hong Kong, international student, just what she's been going through. All these conflicts, not conflicts, these, uh, the chaos, losing an internship, what she thought was going to be lined up, you know, and not having the same level of familial support, you know, as an international student or the community uh, on the college campuses. You know, reach out to the international students, everybody. They need encouragement. But, you know, here she is, but she realizes I'm still going to be plugged into this church. I'm still, I'm going to learn how to do these cameras. So she helps do the production here because she's serving the church. You think of Brian learning how to edit, learning how to film this stuff. I mean, there's too many people to, to list. 
um, women's ministry. You think of Kathy and Sin and Jennifer and Anita and the women's purity. It's like we are expanding ministries. Think of Kevin doing the, you know, the men's group. We just keep going. We're not a stagnant church. We're we're moving. We're listening to the spirit. So, okay, we, we want to have an outdoor Bible study. Oh, we can't do it. You know, now the, now the mountain's on fire. I mean, there's ashes everywhere. Okay, fine. We pivot. We do Zoom. Oh, we're going to do service at this location at Cerritos. Oh, it's closed to us. Oh, we'll go to this place in LA. Oh, it's closed. Oh, we'll do it online. Oh, we'll try Facebook. Oh, it doesn't work. Oh, we'll do YouTube. Hey, whatever. We're the army of God. We're under the mission of God. When you're in the army of God and you, you, the army arrives and the bridge is blown out by the enemy, what do we do? Just stand there, look up. No, build a new bridge, go around. Hey, it's the theater of war. You got to get new intel and you got to move. You got to move with the spirit. You got to move with the leaders. That's what I love about our church. I'm from New England. Man, I'm fired up. You know, I love churches with the steeple, the white church steeple, you know, snow coming down, same place, you know, little groups visiting, nothing wrong with that for the last 150 years. But that's not our church. That's not what I see here. I see a lot of movement. And every church has its role. I see a lot of dynamics. I see a church that is willing to move. It's not about a building, not about a location per se. It's about the mission. And so I guess what I want to say is, and what I feel in my spirit that I think the Holy Spirit wants to say to City Bible Church is, check. You're not perfect, but it's an exhortation. Stay on mission. Acts 1.8. Be about the mission of God. Don't get distracted. But that leads me to the second point. The second point, spiritual dynamic number two, when a church is in diaspora, is through the power of the Spirit, expect unexpected evangelism encounters. Expect unexpected evangelism opportunities. What is evangelism? Evangelism is when you're able to proclaim God's goodness and what he's done in your life and what he's done for humanity to other people who don't know him. That's all it is. And I think and I feel as a church, this is an area where honestly we can grow in. That as we love each other, as we encourage each other, we don't want to be just about fellowship, looking up, staying together, waiting for Jesus. That's important. But he's given us a commission, Matthew 28, Acts 1.8. He's given us a commission to be his witnesses, to proclaim his goodness. And City Bible Church friends, as you think about your own life, when's the last time you were able to, through words, through pen, through email, through text, encourage another person, say the word Jesus? I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open because there's opportunities all over the place. That's what we see in these scriptures. And I just want to mention a few. In Acts chapter 9, read it yourself. You know, you have it's Saul's conversion. Okay, he's on the road to Damascus. He's blinded by the Spirit. And God comes to a no-name disciple named Ananias. Just a no-name guy, just like us. You know, just a regular Christian guy. He says, hey, there's this guy, Saul. Go to this street. Go to Straight Street. The Holy Spirit's given. And then you're going to lay hands on him. Saul? You mean the guy who's killing all the Christians? Uh, You know, hey, 
Who would have ever dreamed it? Who would have ever imagined it? The Holy Spirit. And Ananias' role is just to walk into it and to obey the Spirit's call. How does the Holy Spirit speak today? Is it audible? Is it a sense? Is it a feeling? The Holy Spirit is God. And he has an individual relationship with each one of you. He speaks to different people in different ways. But when he speaks, you have to be quiet and hear his still, small voice. And if you're prompted to go talk to this person or to call a person in a time of need, I know you know what I'm talking about. You need to respond in faith. Uh, Another example is uh, you think of Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion. He's a Roman. He has 100 people under him. He rejected the Roman and Greek gods. They were polytheistic. They believed in multiple gods, but he had a respect for the Jewish God. Cornelius's today are people who are hungry for truth, who probably pray prayers like this, God, or I don't even know if you're real or if you're out there, but please show me the truth. If you're real, show me. Church, there are people like that. Don't you remember you were called like that? Do you think you figured out God on your own? Or were you drawn by him? People, we got our image of God is too small. Because when you think about your own salvation or how you came to faith, it wasn't because of your smarts. It's because you were gently drawn by the love of Jesus. And he brought people into your life and into your path. And it's not accidental. Why then? When we're on the other side of it as Christians, why is it that we're walking through this life with our head down, thinking that all the chaos is out of God's control, and of course I'm not going to have an evangelistic encounter? I knew a pastor. He's a good friend of mine. He said, hey, Mike, you know, when I leave church, I'm like dead to the world. He's a great preacher. But we went out and got a Starbucks for coffee. He's just, (laughs) that's not good. You have to keep your eyes open. I mean, I'm just thinking of Pastor Chris when he went to pick up some fish at a restaurant and he's wearing his Christian shirt and he's just willing to have a warm conversation and look what God does. He's able to pray with someone. I've seen him also just walking in in Los Angeles one night and sees a guy crying. Obviously, the guy's in distress, had just broken up with his girlfriend or something. Prays for him again. Why am I pumping up Chris's tires? All right. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Okay. Um, but I want to share one story and I will read this about, so anyway, um, Cornelius is brought to Peter and, you know, Peter doesn't know exactly what's going on. The Holy Spirit prepares Peter and then Peter leads Cornelius and his household to faith. That's the point. And so there's a bunch of Corneliuses that God is going to bring into your life. Um, let me just Look in this one passage, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This is on chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Influence. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And then he invited Philip to come sit with him. 
go, go to this place. It's like a desert place. Do you think Philip maybe was like, hmm, I don't know if I should, that's kind of weird. He just goes. And I was talking to Ted a couple days ago. And Ted is an unassuming person. He's humble. He doesn't bring attention to himself, but he's an evangelist. And I was asking him about his experiences during the pandemic. And he was telling me how he's reaching some of his coworkers. And then he said, well, there was a day where I felt, the, I felt God tell me to go to the park, a park right near my house. And so I went to the park and I was walking around and I saw a guy sitting in his car reading the Bible and his window was down. So I went up to him and we were talking and talking about the Bible the guy wasn't in a church, and so Ted invites him to City Bible Church. Is it, do you not see the parallels? It's like so, and, and like Ted didn't know that I'm preaching on this. It's like the same spirit that told Philip to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch is the same spirit that told Ted to go to the park. Here's where we're challenged. Do you think Ted had 100% certainty that God told him to go to the park? I don't know. Ask Ted. Did he have an audible voice? Did he hear it? I don't think so, but ask Ted. But even if it was 50-50, 50% certainty, the other 50% was Ted walking in faith with sensitivity to the Spirit. And look what happened. He walked into a God encounter. People, God has it all set up. He has a bunch of setups, and we just need to walk into it. Now, I've been... I've had these situations too. I had one recently. I was traveling um, in another state and um, I was outside of a hotel and I saw some guy smoking there, an old guy. He wasn't in good health. And I felt prompted to, to share with him. And I talked myself out of it. I was lazy and I didn't go. And after he left, I, I felt, I was like, God, I blew it. I mean, I don't, and I prayed for him. I said, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I should have. I should have spoken up. I should have, I should have said something. I should have been bold. And, but I wasn't. I know you've, you've experienced this, right? I mean, I'm supposed to be the evangelism leader, but, you know, the flesh and laziness came in and doubt. I said, God, please help me have another opportunity, and this time I'll do it. And I was in some podunk, podunk town outside of uh, Las Vegas somewhere, some mining town, and I was kind of, weaving around trying to find a gas station. It would seem like I was lost, and I found a little Sinclair that had two pumps. And uh, this guy looked like he was like, you know, 18 to 21 years old. He comes out, he squeegees the window, like old school, like full service. We're just talking. He's just telling me a little bit about the town. He's, I think he had three customers that day, really slow. And I have these little books of John that I give away. You know, our evangelism team, we give those out. I said, hey, here, here's a... Um, Here's the book of John. Have you ever read it? It's about, it's kind of like a biography. It's the message of Christ. He goes, no. I go, well, why don't you read it? So I'm waiting for the kids to, to come out of the restroom and stuff. And I look inside and he's reading it intently. It's just awesome. See, God wants to build this church. He wants us to expand the kingdom. He just wants us to respond. So City Bible Church, I want to challenge you this week. I want you to keep your eyes open and be friendly. Don't force it, just chat, but keep your eyes open because I suspect the Holy Spirit 
is going to lead you to some quote unquote accidental encounters. Um, I was just meeting, you know, as we're, you know, closing up and, and thinking about closing up, I was over, you know, one of our new believers house. We'll call them Robert and Ling. I'm over their house and, um, just answering questions about the Bible and, uh, studying the book of John and, and, Robert asked me, he says, you know, what do you do? I'm a new believer. I'm still learning. But, you know, what do you do when you have a friend come over and they say that, you know, studying the Bible or religion is useless? You know, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And I just said, hey, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The more you know and love Christ and you're in a season of growing, whatever you know, just share that. You know, you could just say something like, oh, you know. It's really helped my family. It's helped our marriage. That's it. That's good. Christ has helped my marriage. Or you could say, oh, so you don't think truth can be helpful in life? Hmm. You know, just good natured. Just give them a little jab if it's that, if that's your friendship or your relationship. I would challenge you just to say a little bit of salt and a little bit of light that's Christ-centric. If You know, look for those opportunities. Um, he's also a musician. And I said, hey, Robert. What if I came in and I say, hey, you know what? Having kids study music or play the piano is a waste of time. Of course it's not. You know, music, he wouldn't even have to think about it. Why? Because he loves music. It's in his heart. So if you love Christ, if you love his word, the Holy Spirit, and by his power, he's bringing people to you and he'll give you the words. So don't think you have to be an expert evangelist. Whatever you know about God, be willing to share. Um. And his wife, Ling, was talking to me and she said, hey, you know, this week I had, you know, they're from a country that is repressive to the gospel and they're trying to snuff out the teachings of Christ. And so we as a church, we are discipling people that are going to go into contexts where it's dangerous. Talking about, you know, Garen and Cynthia, they felt called to go to the Middle East not to the Middle East, North Africa, to Muslim areas, and even bring their children. And people have said, you know, why would you do that? That's dangerous. Don't you know that, you know, health concerns? They understand that. They understand the mission. The mission is more important. And what I said is, um, you know, getting back to, to Ling, she said, I had this celebrity couple or this celebrity person come to my house they're a celebrity back in my home country. And it seems random or coincidental. And I said, you know what? I've been studying Acts. It's not an accident. You're being called to minister. Pray for these people. Be salt and light to these people. And they might be a Cornelius in your life. So just wanted to encourage you, church. That's the message for today. Um, you know, that couple that I'm talking about, Robert and Ling, pseudonyms, okay, um, they're going to be baptized soon. And I love our church because we have, for the size church we are, we have new baptisms. Everyone loves babies. Everyone loves life. We're discipling younger Christians, more mature Christians. We want to see more people. If we stay on mission, if we're open to evangelism, God is going to do powerful things through City Bible Church. That's what I want. 
If not, and you're just stagnant looking up, waiting for Christ to return, I've been there. When I came, before I came to City Bible Church, I told Chris, said, I'm a little bit burnt out from ministry. And what he did is he gave me the Fox's Book of Martyrs, which chronicles Acts, these saints who died for the faith all the way through the ages. And it really made me think that this is a cause. The cause of Christ and the gospel is worth dying for. How much more should we die to our pride day by day, die to our embarrassment or our shame? We get out there, we go out the front door, despite the chaos. Could it be that all this chaos God is using to till up hard soil? I know that's the fact. All this chaos could be preparing people who don't know Christ for the gospel. And that's who I want to talk to as we finish up, is that Maybe you're listening to me and the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Maybe you're like Cornelius and you know there's a God, but you don't know who it is. And maybe you're like the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. Look at verse 32 on chapter 8. Now the passage of the scripture that the eunuch was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a, like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you the good news about Jesus is that you're a sinner. You're selfish. You're not, you're not holy. You've lied. You've broken God's rules. You can't save yourself. You can't, even when you want to live a righteous life, you're full of pride. But we can't be redeemed from this. But what Jesus did is he died on the cross to take away your sin. The wages of sin is death. But what Christ did is through his shed blood, and your faith in his sacrifice, you could be set free. Your sins can be washed away by his blood. If you have faith in him, he died, he was buried, he was raised on the third day, which is the proof of the afterlife, the hope after death. And so I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you who are in belief and those of you who don't know who Christ is, but now you want him to forgive you and you want a new life with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, guiding and directing you towards love of God and love of your neighbor. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive our sins. Wash us clean. God, and if, if, you're, if you don't know who God is, you can say this prayer. God, I am a sinner. I have... I need you. I didn't know who you were. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to come into me and to forgive my sins and re to redeem me and give me a new life, new hope. Take away all my fears and my doubts and my anxieties about all the chaos around me. I want the peace that comes from you, that I can have a joy even though my whole world is upside down. And Lord, for those in this church who know you, 
I thank you for this wonderful church, but I pray, God, for all of us, myself included, no matter who we are, whether we're leaders, whether we're brand new babies in the church, whether we've never even visited City Bible, I pray that we'll have eyes to see the mission and that we will have ears open and eyes open wide to minister your gospel and not be shocked when the Holy Spirit works through us. We thank you and we commit this message to you and this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.